there, I hope you're well and welcome to View from the Touchline, a podcast that aims to explore the thoughts, philosophies and beliefs of coaches working right across the beautiful game. My name is Conal Mernon and I am a football coach and I am passionate about coach development. I really enjoy listening to other coaches talk about their thoughts and experiences and I hope you learn as much from listening to these episodes as I did recording them. You can find me on Instagram at Coaching, where you can find these episodes in their video form and you can also use the account to send me any thoughts or feedback you may have. I'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, here is this week's episode of View from the Touchline. Hi folks, hope you're well and welcome to episode four of View from the Touchline. And for this week, I'm delighted to welcome Gary Hunt to the podcast. Gary, thank you very much for giving up your time to speak to me this evening. Gary is a UEFA A license coach and he also holds the UEFA Elite Youth A license. Last season, Gary was under 19's head coach at Waterford Football Club, who play in the League of Ireland Premier Division. During his time with the club, he was also head of youth development. Uh, Gary is currently head coach at Tremor AFC, which is a club in Waterford, and I'll be asking him more about his experiences in, in leading at that club later on. He's also former manager at Wexford Youth Women's Football Club, where he enjoyed a successful time winning back-to-back league championships. And Gary is also a ambassador for the Coaches Voice Academy, which is something I'm really keen to discuss with you later, Gary. But my first question for you tonight is, what does coaching and the role of a coach mean to you? Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Uh, great to great to have a little chat with you there. Um, role of coaching uh, to me. Is, is coaching I kind of associate with teaching, I suppose, you know, um, I work a, a little bit in education as well. So for me, um, coaching is kind of getting a uh, set of skills across to to a group of players uh, as, a, as a role of a coach, I suppose. It's, it's really kind of understanding the people that are in front of you. So we all coach at different levels and I, I've coached at, at a lot of different levels. Um, and it's just understanding who, who you've got in front of you, you, the language you use to them, the, the quality or the quantity of information you give them. Um, and it's just understanding their needs and being able to, to give them that, as I said, that um, those skills that uh, kind of teach them different things. And the big thing about it really is, is life skills, really. You know, um, we're, we're, we're keen on that. And I'm big on that, that, yes, we might be coaching them on the football pitch, but ultimately we're trying to you know, preparing for, for maybe life outside football or preparing them for stepping from secondary school into college or, or stepping into a job where they, they need to speak up for themselves and things like that. So it's trying to give them those skills as well as, as much as making them uh, better footballers and enjoying football because what I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see once we come out of this uh, lockdown period is is, is the, the dropout rates of sport and, and maybe the retention rate which is going to be quite interesting and, and our role as coaches I suppose are going to be to make sure people stay involved and stay involved because they enjoy it you know so that, that's a big thing for me is teaching them skills on the pitch and, and away from the pitch. Brilliant um, when you sent me through your CV earlier this week and when I look at the experiences you've had it's, it's really clear to me that you've got a real passion for developing young players I just wonder where did that passion come from were there any early influences on you or has that just always been something you've been passionate about um yeah i suppose on my local club as you mentioned before tremor afc um that's where i'm from tremor and uh you know our local club means a lot to us and, and we've had a lot of um a lot of role models in the club that you know growing up you work with young players and, and it's all about developing players to, to push them on maybe to higher levels but We've got uh, a pretty strong influence there. I started coaching as a 
probably not the backwards role of it, but I started as a probably an 18, 19 year old coaching under 16, 17s and 18s yeah. uh, because I was trying to keep some of my friends who were a couple of years younger than me wanted to keep playing. And I felt I wouldn't like what my kind of coaching. Uh, and then I went backwards and started working with young people. And I felt that it's, it's something I'm good at. Um, and how I deliver messages to, to young people and, and have them enjoying the game. So I suppose it's kind of, it's stuck with me a lot. Um, I found that kind of, that working with young people, the rewards, as I said, I work in education. So I'm currently working in Reach, which is a second chance education system. So um, when you see the rewards you get from it, you know, it's, it's, it's quite satisfactory that, you know, you're giving something back, you're giving your time up. Um, more often than not in a voluntary setting and, and you're seeing people maybe flourish to to step into college or step onto, you know, went for trials on a team and, and made a, a representative team. You know, those things, you know, are good, but also keeping players involved in the games, I said, that's that's a big thing. So developing them for, for many reasons. And as I said, Tremor FC has played a, a massive part in, in my development for wanting to work with young players. You mentioned there how you started off working with maybe the older what we would call academy age groups, you know, 16, 17s, 18s, and you went back to working with younger kids. How did you have to adapt when you ended up working with the younger kids? Because a lot of the time people say you don't really learn how to coach until you coach the, the youngest kids. What did you have to learn? What did you have to change? Yeah, it was it was, it was a funny one. Um, I was I was doing a couple of uh, youth teams, you know, with my first under-18 teams, and then uh, the club approached me and asked me, will I take you know a group of under nines and you know work with them for a couple of years and I stuck with them for a few years actually to be fair but uh, a lot of it was learning on the job you know um, I didn't see myself working with the smallies as such uh, but then I got into it and you kind of see that long term right what are we doing we're going back to basics you know you're teaching them you're not talking you're not using language that they're going to be looking back at you maybe we did sometimes maybe and we've all made mistakes but uh, it's about you know the long-term process then and, and how will they be and, and in fact I'm, I'm happy and i'm delighted to see that a lot of that group that when i did start back with them in under nines a lot of them are playing in the the main from our premier team now or a lot some of them are playing still in the uh, league of ireland's first teams so uh, i'm delighted to see that they're, they're still interested in the game so that's that yeah. for me is a big thing that they're still playing and they've not dropped off a lot so that that was that that's a lot of satisfaction i take but as i said it's it's a big change in working with 18-year-olds to go back to 10, 11, 12-year-olds. Um, and the last couple of guests I've had on the on the podcast as well as myself, we've had experiences of working in university football where you're coaching players very similar age to yourself. And also you had that experience as well. How did you find that experience and how did you find it influenced your communication and your the way you interacted with your players? Yeah, that, that's, I suppose that's going back a while now. That's probably the start of my coaching. I was still learning. I, I I probably in those days I didn't envisage that I'd probably go on and do a B license and A license and an elite youth day as well. So I, I suppose it was more I don't know if you'd use the term a recreational coach, you know, enjoying it and probably seeing things on the internet or seeing things in a book and wanting to transfer that over. And now I'm an advocate of if you look at things and people want to put on Guardiola sessions or stuff and you're saying, well, you got to tailor this. Probably in my days, I, I, I didn't. I was I was that young, enthusiastic coach that wanted to put on the best, fanciest sessions. As I as I've developed, I suppose it's it's changed a lot, and I've I've learned that, you know, and that's a big learning curve for me. That what you see on the television now, or on Twitter, and all of those, that they're sometimes not the best uh, sessions to put on for 
some of the kids you're, you're working with. And as you said, that coach's voice ambassador role, uh, what I've seen so far, uh, is really good in terms of it's, it's shown content, specific content to uh, young co- people working with you players, you know, instead yeah. of looking at sessions for Barcelona, Manchester United, Manchester City, first team yeah. session, you know. Yeah, I think the stuff around the coach's voice is really interesting and we'll definitely touch on that more later. But just for now, I want to talk about your experiences at Waterford. So before you became under-19s head coach, you're obviously head of youth development. And I just wonder what what was your main philosophy in terms of approaching that role, in terms of you're obviously overseeing the development of all the age groups across the academy, overseeing the development of coaches within that. How did you try and approach that role? Yeah, it was it was an interesting one. It actually worked out. It, it, I actually ended up do, doing a dual role of 19s head coach and overseeing the academy. Um, and I, the same year, I actually went on to the Elite Youth A license. So it was a busy year for me. But um, you know what? When I when I was asked about it, I thought, you know what? Where do I want to go in, in coaching? And I thought, let's go for this and see 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 how we go. Uh, a lot of it was learning on the job for me. Uh, I still relatively young in terms of my coaching career and in terms of a job as in leading an academy. Uh, but I felt, you know what, I felt that I had a lot of the respect of most of the coaches in the club. Uh, so, I, so I went for it and, you know, I have to say a lot of those coaches worked with me. You know, what we what we wanted to do, it was it was a collective thing. We wanted a club that, that wanted to be progressive. You know, we wanted a club that wanted to... Um, give players a, an opportunity to come through an academy with a view of, of getting becoming a first-team player. We didn't want a club that had an academy and had a first-team. You know, we wanted to join up thinking, and, and which was what was great was, I speak back again, Tremor, uh, when I was in the club, I was the 19s manager and head of academy, originally from Tremor. The first-team manager was Alan Reynolds, who was from yeah. Tremor as well, along with Fran Rocket, who was also from Tremor. So there was a lot of joined up thinking there because we knew each other and we knew a lot about each other and we knew that what we were trying to do uh, was, was good. So there was a lot of collective collective uh, work done by the first team and the academy to bring all that together. And uh, that was fantastic. Um, and, and we did, we, we made a lot of progress. Um, for me, uh, the academy is not about winning things, but we do put a spin on the under-19s and preparing them for first team football. So when I was in that job, for me, it was about recruiting, firstly, a staff around me that supplemented the skills I have and what the skills I don't have. So I've done that first and foremost. I, I recruited really well, got some good coaches in, and, and we approached the 19s in a, in a different sense of how we wanted the, them to go about things. So it was, it was first-team football. We'll treat it like that. You know, we'll ask, how are, you, how are we going to play? Do we want to win? You know where it wasn't as important in the under younger ages, and and the, the club and the academy bought into that, and we we're really lucky in the sense that, you know, it worked for us in the 19s that we worked on development, but we also ended up being successful in winning the national league, and a lot of those players are still in the first team, and a lot of those players have gone on to scholarships and and things like that. So it's been successful in that sense, and the club will continue to grow. I'm Unfortunately, I'm going to be part of the academy next season, but I know that there's some good people still involved that that will push those players. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they progress now over the next 12 months. Great. I think it's really interesting what you said about the under-19s role, about how you try to combine that development of trying to push players into the first team and prepare them for senior football and also couple that with trying to win and be successful. 
just want to dig a little bit deeper into that and ask, you know, how did, how was that approach reflected in your philosophy as a coach with that group and maybe things like your session design and the way you communicated with players? Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the year. I thought it was fantastic. I, I felt the players bought into what we were trying to do and I think that was the main one. Um, we as a coaching staff, I think we were a likeable coaching staff. Um, there was never a, never a session or a, or a day the players were coming in thinking, oh, they're going to run us or they're going to, they're going to, you know, give us down the banks today. Um, it was all progressive. It was all open. It was empowering the players to to have the opportunity to to give back to to making this this team. Uh, and as I say, team, I mean coaches, players, you know, everybody uh, making us better. Um, we spoke to the players and we and we put it to them and we said, right, how do you want to approach the season? And 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 they they bought into that and they said along the similar lines. So for us as, at 19s, it was about Right. If you're in the team and you're performing, you stay in the team, you know, and if that means you stay in for six, seven, eight games and someone's waiting in, in, in lieu for a jersey, so be it. You know, uh, we'll reward you uh, in that sense. We had Colin Whelan, who was playing with UCD now in the, in the first division, and he's had a fantastic year. Uh, first year, he got he got 30, 40 goals that season for us, you know, so it was a player who was never going to lose the jersey. Um, but in terms of session design and things, I suppose, um, again, we've done a lot of work early in the season. We faced a lot of setbacks. So we had to do a lot of uh, work with the players in terms of how we deal with those setbacks. Uh, we, we, we lost a cup place because uh, an official made a mistake with an extra substitution, an extra time. So how we reacted to that, we lost the game because the pitch wasn't lined. Uh, how we dealt with that. And we, we had a lot of setbacks along the way. So a lot of our sessions, we would have incorporated that uh, in terms of how do the players deal with something that they're not expecting, you know? Um, and that, that, that built up and come the second half of the season, a lot of it was maintenance with the players, you know, put on a session that they were enjoying. We'd give them feedback then as the guards who they're playing the weekend, what we feel we could do to exploit that and um, tailor that session towards the game the weekend. And it was, it was, it was a constant cycle. Then it was, it was prepare, it was maintain and, and the, the players, as I said, the players had the quality then that they could show they when they went out on the pitch that they were ready to, to step up to the, the plate, you know? Yeah. Well, clearly when a player gets to the under-19s level, especially at that high level in the in the under-19s electricity league, it's they're going to be good players, but taking that next step to being in the first team obviously requires them to maybe add or develop their mental side of the game. I just wonder, for you as a coach, is there anything you try and do? I know you mentioned within session design and trying to help your players deal with setbacks. Is there things you try to help your players with in terms of developing mental characteristics like resilience or um, perseverance, things like that? Yeah, I suppose we we work at 19s and uh, the big debate, I suppose, in, in the League of Ireland at the moment is, you know, a lot of these players come to 19s and there's not nothing for them after 19s. So, the lucky few will, will make first team football somewhere, but it, it's not going to be a hundred percent retention rate in the League of Ireland, unfortunately. So we have to we, we want to push them all, we want to keep them all in the game. Um, but obviously we know that they're not all going to make it. So for us it's important to, as you said, to, to work with those players to see, right, uh, if you don't make it next year, right, you know, what what's what's plan B, what's plan C? You know, so a lot of work I would have done with the players. I had a really good coaching staff that I could allow. Okay, we train, say, a Tuesday night. 
I could say, right, lads, we need A, B and C hit on tonight. And and then I can step back and I can start to, to look at the players and see, you know, is there anything going on? I can speak individually to the players. Um, and as I said, because we were a likeable staff, uh, the players would be quite open with us and, and they'd be honest and give us some good feedback that we could, you know, if we needed to rearrange things, we would. Uh, so that helped. That helped uh, in the fact that I didn't have to be as hands-on. Yes, I missed, you know, not running a session all the time, but I believe that helped that team and those players develop different skills. You know yeah. that we that we had someone sitting back watching and overseeing the session. That eventually I could pull someone aside at the end and say, "Okay, you weren't yourself today. You know, is, is everything okay?" And it might be just a bad session. You know, but sometimes someone might say, look, I've, I've a bit going on. I have this, I have that. And we could work, work together on that. And, you know, if it, if it meant, OK, do you know what? Take take tomorrow night off or whatever, you know, so be it. But as I said, we, we got the best out of our players. So I think it worked in the approach we gave them. Uh, not saying that will work for every group of players. Like if we go back to last season, I know we had the, the challenge of COVID as well. We had a different group of players. We weren't as talented as a group. But we had players that wanted to work harder, you know, and those yeah. players were very, very unlucky not to not to make a national final again. Uh, we were we were just held nil nil with Pats on the last day, and Pats went in and got to the final and, and won it. And credit to them for that, you know. But it, it really comes down to the group of players. And as I spoke at the start of the the chat here, that you know what coaching is, it's it's understanding the players you have in front of you and, and what makes them tick. You know, and, and that's that's a big thing for a coach at an elite level, especially. Great. Um, I just want to touch a bit now on your experience with Wexford Youth Women. Um, so obviously you were there, uh, firstly in a, an assistant role, I believe, and then you became head coach. And obviously during your time there, you won two uh, National League titles, which is was fantastic. Um, how did you find that experience? And was that your first experience of working in the women's game? Yeah, um, I went to... In 2013, I went to the States for, I, I, I was offered a couple of positions out there and it was coaching some some sides over there. Uh, and I kind of questioned, was I going to go? And I went and I said, if I didn't go, I'd, I'd ask myself, you know, down down the line, what if you had it went? So I went and when I came back, I made, made a decision to myself that I wanted to work at the highest level. And whatever way it came about, I ended up uh, as the assistant manager with Wexford Youth Women uh, under Will Doyle. Uh, a fantastic learning experience. Uh, Will, Laura and myself, loads of others, a lot of the players. Um, you know, I couldn't speak any more highly of the players. Probably the most determined set of players uh, I've seen in a long time and, and probably will see for a while. Uh, it was a really enjoyable experience, but it was probably the biggest learning experience for myself as well um, to go from an assistant role to the manager's job. I picked up so much learning experience for myself and about myself in that time. And, you know, that that's what stood to me. That's what's probably developed me a lot as a coach over the last few years and, and probably seen, right, a lot of what maybe I would have done in Wexford was good, but a lot of it wasn't as good. And I learned that, okay, if I was to do that again, what would I do differently? And that was a big thing for me. But as I said, it was it was a fantastic experience to work in the women's game. And, you know, there's some players in that squad uh, and are still playing at this fantastic club uh, that are really pushing. And I'm, I follow them now and, you know, you're following the results and stuff. But as I said, an excellent experience. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an evolving game and it's, it's really good to see today. Uh, our, there's been a mention of SSE, Artricity, coming on board to 
to sponsor the league now again. So it'll run in line with the men's game, which is going to be a big move for the for the women's game in Ireland. Yeah, and it sounds like you had a really valuable experience there. Um, and as part of your time there, you took part in the um, qualification stages for the UEFA Women's Champions League. What uh, were the challenges of that experience and what lessons did you learn from it? Yeah, it was um, that was fantastic, you know. To It was the first year we were there, we won the league. It was the first time Wexford Utes had won the league. So that was that was fantastic in itself, you know, to, to grow a, a belief within those players, to, to, to go out into that pitch and believe they want to win every week was fantastic. Uh, that in turn obviously qualified us for the Champions League and you know straight away there's a bit of a buzz about that because you know you're coaching in the Champions League and the whole you know what 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 it brings with it so that that was a, that was great uh, first year we we ended up going to Poland a club called Medic Conan was the name of the club they were hosting us so ourselves themselves Gintry Universities of Lithuania and we had Cardiff Met from Wales so it was a four group team ran off over the week big challenge was for us was uh, we were third seeds so the two seeds above us were probably full time with massive budgets I remember talking someone I think met one of the coaches of the Lithuanian team and they had a, a budget for the year of a million euros you know whereas we at the time were asking our players to to pay for the season you know so straight away you're kind of thinking wow you know this this is a different ball game here so First and foremost, I suppose, playing against a higher level of player, uh, probably a full-time player and a couple of international players in teams. That was that was a big challenge and a big lesson as to right how we approach these games. Was it, you know? And then I suppose as well, having to do it within a week, you know, was was something else. You know, we're used to maybe training a couple of times a week and having our game at the weekend, and you know that was our season, and, and the season was only only maybe 15, 16 games long over seven, eight months, you know. So all of a sudden, it's it's three big, big games, you know, uh, and the excitement as well of, of coaching and playing for the players in the Champions League as well. So dealing with dealing with a lot of that. Um, what we did do, and, and, and to, again, to give massive credit to the club, is we organised a, a, a kind of a, a week away. We went to Portugal the summer prior to that. To that and uh, we went away and we, we, we worked off a schedule as in, we would when we got to Poland. So that was massive. You know, the club deserve a lot of credit for plan. And Will Doyle, to be fair, deserves a lot of credit for planning that and, and getting us there. Um, because that stood to us. With the first year, um, we ended up winning two games um, and we lost one game. Unfortunately, didn't qualify for the for the round of 32. But as I said, fantastic experience for, for everybody involved. And as I said, lessons learned, you know, come up against players, full-time players, where I hope and I wish to see women's football in Ireland go over the next few years but obviously you see some of the players then that step up to the market end up going to maybe the States or going to England uh, but then the second year obviously I was I was the manager and we hosted it in Ireland ourselves and that, that was a big learning curve we we lost the first game against the top seeds and then we were unlucky in the second game we had a player sent off in the last minute unfortunately a bad decision and it affected us it affected me as a manager uh, we lost the game in the last minute to a penalty and we just couldn't get a win in the last game against the bottom seeds then and we drew nil nil. So a difficult campaign that year, especially being at home. But again, the experience of being in the Champions League again was fantastic for everybody. And the club have gone on and done it a couple of times since that and played clubs such as Ajax. And you know, those things are fantastic experiences. But as I said, some of the players have ambitions to go further. And you look at players like Rihanna Jarrett now who's gone to Brighton 
you know, uh, and kicked on. So it's fantastic to see um, the club do so well and, and, and being able to push those players. And Ella Malloy is a new one coming on the scene who I think will be another player to watch for the Irish national team. Brilliant. Sounds like an, an amazing experience. Gary, I just want to move on now and talk about uh, Tremor and your, your role there. Obviously, your your local club and you're currently head coach there. Um, what have you tried to bring in from environments like Waterford and like Wexford Jews into into that club? Um, yeah, I suppose I've been, it's my club, I've, been, I've played for the club all my life as well as I still try and play anyway, but um, uh, it's it's a fantastic club. It's it's a big club, you know. Tremor is a big town, um, so we've got a lot of teams. We've we probably range from a lot of recreational teams to some teams we try and push on and, and compete at a high level as well, and then all the way to our first team, which is which is doing quite well at the moment. With the new model, we've we've kind of pushed on now as we want a lot of our younger players to be retained and to play in the squad. So that's what we're doing. Our second team also was populated with. Uh, a lot of young players because we want to prepare them to play in the first team, you know. So we've we've taken that route that maybe I'm I'm playing now in the second team myself, and the average age is probably 19 at the team, and I'm probably bringing that up a couple of years to be fair. But um, for me, I suppose it's it's working with the club uh, to do whatever I can um, to assist them, you know. If I can. If I can take a team, if I can take a, a few sessions for a team and, and help them, like obviously working with Watford, my time has become less with the club. So um, it's important for me, and I tell this to any player that we sign in Watford, that never forget where you come from. You know, that's a massive thing for me as a coach, you know, that you've, even though you might make it with Watford and you talk about the coaches that brought you through that academy, you know, you've played on their 8, 9, 10, 11, or whatever ages, with a local club, you know, and, and that, that's played as much a part as their development as anything. So that, that for me is important. So I'll never, you never forget your roots, you know, um, I'll give it back as much as I can to the club. And as I said, at the moment, I'm kind of tailoring some sort of um, individual player development program there to try and, and, and work with players that have ambitions. One that's supposed to kick on and play at a higher level, but also other players have ambitions of, of, of just retaining a love for the game, you know, and, and you're finding the niche in each session. What does the player want? Does he want to just enjoy it? Does he want to become better at shooting? Does he want to become fitter? You know, uh, and if I can give back something to those players for, to make that club better or to make that person better, I'm always more than happy to do so. Great. Um, in terms of, you also you spoke there about how you're trying to develop players within those IDPs. A big part of your role is developing the the coaches that work for the club, and a vast majority of them are probably volunteers. How do you go about trying to upskill and develop those coaches? Yeah, um, as I said, it's, it's it's it is a big club, and we have a lot of volunteers that help with clubs and or help with teams, and and some might be parents, and some might be young coaches that are trying to improve. But they like, I suppose they they we've got we've got a lot of high level coaches in the club as well. We've a couple of We've a pro license coach. We've a few A license. We've a B license coach. So we've got a lot of coaches there that people probably look up to and think that you know they love some help. So you know, as I said, it's 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 never forgetting where you come from. And and for us, it's about how can we make these coaches better? How can we make these volunteers better? How can we help them to have better sessions? Um, we were trying to work on a little bit before COVID came in in terms of you know, getting the coaches together and having little kind of coach education seminars and things like that. And 
you know, your WhatsApp and you're talking to its coaches and you're giving them some feedback and asking them if there's anything they need, if there's any questions, you know, never fit, never be shy to to pick up the phone. And, and some of them have, you know, and that's great. And if I can, if I can have a chat with someone and, and help them to improve, you know, an under 12 C team, for example, that they're not going to win the league maybe, but they might have all of those players still wanting to play in a year's time. That's, that's a success for that coach, you know? So that that stuff is is massive to me, you know. A local club retention is as important as as being successful for anything. I'm going to move on now, Gary, to your role with the Coach's Voice and the the your ambassador role with the Coach's Voice Academy. How did that role come about, and what does it involve, and what do you get out of it? Uh, it's it's something relatively new, actually. Um, probably towards the tail end of last season, um, I had a conversation with a with a guy from the Coaches Voice Academy um, just felt that they were looking for people uh, around in different geographic locations to maybe uh, that they felt would be a good fit to, to promote, I suppose, the, what they were trying to do. So I had a good chat, to be fair, and I felt, you know what, they do. They offer something offer something good. So, uh, you know, I said, I've no problem putting my name towards it. Uh, so basically what it is is... is it's content aimed at, you know, people coaching young players. Uh, I know there's the coach's voice as, as a spin-off, and you've probably seen some of the videos of some of the top coaches talking about maybe some of the memorable games. Some of that stuff is really interesting too, but the big thing for me was the content being specific to us as coaches working with younger players. I suppose that was the big thing. Um, so I was more than happy to, to help out with that. The content is quite good and I've, I've been looking, uh, I'm trying to get myself back in. I took a little bit of a break over Christmas in terms of education for myself because it's important you never stop learning as a coach. Uh, but now I'm kind of trying to push myself back in to, to look at some of the sessions, to look at some of the conversations and, and get myself back on because at the moment I know we're in lockdown, but if we can improve and uh, over lockdown little bases and be better coaches when we come out the other side, um, as I said, the coach's voice is, is something that will hopefully contribute to, to my development. And if I can if I can share that to, to help people, other people become better coaches, uh, it's it's a win-win for everybody, in my opinion. Great. Um, just before we move on to the my final quick-fire questions, because we're almost out of time, I just want to ask you around, what have you done during lockdown to try and upskill yourself and continuously develop? Because although it's been a tough time for so many people, it's also a unique opportunity to maybe take stock and reflect and and develop what have you been up to what have you what have you done yeah it has um i suppose with this is our third lockdown now as was uh, the first one I, I i really got into taking in webinars and and, and learning and, and jotting down notes and stuff like that um probably there was a it probably went into overdrive i think the, the amount of webinars that that became available during that time not that they're bad now or anything like that but I, I felt I was doing too many, so I felt felt conscious that I wanted to step out a little. Between the second lockdown, we were back coaching and stuff, and it was all hands on deck, and we were trying to make sure that everything was done right. So uh, now, I, again, I'm, I'm realigning myself, and I suppose every at the end of every season, and the League of Ireland season runs in the calendar year, so our end of season is really kind of coinciding with a new year. So you're talking about, right, what's on the agenda for Gary Hunt for 2021, you know, and... You know, I'm trying to now look at, right, what's next? As I said, I, unfortunately, Watford FC Academy is not going to be there. So what's next for, for Gary Hunt? You know, so that's something I need to to delve into now myself and uh, 
I'm in the middle of it at the moment. What what's next for me? I suppose is to speak to my coaches to to understand how I can become better. You know, because I think it's important to constantly evaluate yourself and you know ask the tricky questions and get the tricky and get the answers you maybe don't want to hear. But if if, if you don't do that. I suppose you stand still and you don't become better. So that's that's probably next on my agenda. Uh, and the lockdown thing for me is to is to speak with the guys that I've worked with for the last few years that have been so good to me to maybe now put them on the spot and ask them, right, what did I do that, that wasn't good? You know, and I suppose they might want to say, but for me to become better, I need them to be as honest as possible with me. And I'm sure they will, you know. Yeah. Great. Um, we're almost out of time, Gary, but I've just got four quick fire questions for you to finish so question one what three values would you say are at the heart of your coaching philosophy um i suppose for me i suppose when i'm looking at teams i coach and um, what i'm looking for from the, the players and everybody i suppose first i'm, I'm looking for team players uh people who want to be part of the team people that aren't going to put themselves uh first that once they once they cross the white line or once they come through the door that you know they're sacrificing everything for the best of the team not that i'm saying that you know you have to always t sometimes you, you need to think yourself especially when they're trying to make first team football we, we try and make that as competitive as they can for them uh a work ethic uh, a work ethic is important that people believe in hard work because a lot of what I say to my players, a lot of hard work pays off. And if they don't believe in wanting to put in the hard miles and running back and putting in tackles and making headers, you know, they won't, they won't stand out in my teams and, you know, it, they'll find it hard to get in. So a work ethic, I suppose, being a team player and honesty, I, I suppose, you know, being honest in both their performance and in their communication, you know, don't, don't hide around things. Don't tell me you were doing something when you weren't doing it or, you know, uh, there's never a problem if someone can't make a train and if someone, you know, is struggling with playing in a position, there's no problem with asking a question. You know, the worst thing that can happen is someone says no or, you know, there's no such thing as a bad question, all of those cliches, but they're right, you know, if someone's honest with you, it, it, it means a lot, you know. Great. My second question then is, what one thing do you want to learn or improve on in 2021? Uh, I suppose... <sighs> It's it's now for me. It's 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 see where I want to go next. So you, we spoke about my pathway. I've gone from working in grassroots to going to the women's game, to have worked now in an elite academy. Um. So I suppose I'm at a crossroads now. So I want to learn for probably for myself is is where's next for 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 myself. You know where do I want to go? do I want to go to first team football? Do I want to stay in the academies football? Uh, do I want to go back to girls football? I don't know. Uh, that's what I want to learn about myself now. Is is I'm at that crossroads, and you know where's this journey going to take me next? So that's that's next for me, I suppose. And my next question then leads nicely off that. Where do you want to be in five years' time? Um, still in football. Uh, definitely enjoying it. I think that's the main thing. If you're not enjoying it, I don't think you. I think you need to remove yourself from whatever situation you're in. Um. Ideally, I'd love to be coaching full-time. Unfortunately, Waterford, as, as much as I put full-time emphasis on it, it's not a full-time job. Um, I'd love to be working full-time in football. I don't, for me, I believe, you know, once you're doing something, you're contributing to it and you're giving back and you're working on something that's successful on and off the pitch, I think that's as important. You know, for me, I'm not going to say I want to be coaching Man City or I want to be over in Everton because that's the team I support or, 
um, anything like that in five years' time. If I'm working with Waterford first team or if I'm working back with Wexford Youth Women and, and I'm doing a good job and I'm contributing to something that's bigger than the sum of its parts, you know, I'll be happy, you know, because I'm, I'm giving back, but I'm also giving people an opportunity to become the best person they can become, be it on the pitch or off the pitch. Great. And my final question for you, Gary, is what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, I have two. I have two pieces. I suppose one wasn't directly at me. It was uh, I was at a concert a few years ago, uh, two or three years ago, Florence and the Machine. And um, something she said in the concert stood out to me. Um, she was just speaking generally, and, and the term she used was she wanted to said keep showing up. Uh, and that was all about, you know, when people aren't watching, you know, keep coming, keep turning up, keep doing the job. Uh, and that was something that just stood with me that night. And I, I put that into the couple of water team, Waterford teams I've done since. And it's a motto that I've tried to, to shell onto them and, you know, that they've they've bought into. And as I said, it, it worked. And I think a measure of that one day was, I think, one of the lads before with the final actually mentioned it in a radio interview. So I kind of, well, they're obviously listening to me, so that was a that was yeah. something. But um, I suppose then probably one of my biggest mentors back in Tremor, Paul Power, uh, which he since I started coaching, you know, he's been a someone I've been able to ask questions of, and you know, I've had a lot of downs and a lot of ups, and you know, one biggest thing he's always said to me is keep the faith. You know, when it's when you're going. So for me, you know, when you're in bad times, when you're losing matches, or when you're losing players, or people aren't agreeing with you. You know, keep the faith because if you keep working hard and being honest with it, uh, things will turn around. You know, and if, as I say to everybody, if if you do your best, you know, no one can ask any more. Yet, and as I said, keep the faith. You know, good times are coming, but also when you're when it's going good, you know, appreciate those times too because they're not always going to be there. And you know, as I said, last year I'm involved in a, in a successful academy. This season I'm not so. You know, as I said, so now it's going to be a challenge for me to to, to find what's next. You know, where does Gary Hunt want to go? So uh, keep the faith, I suppose. Gary, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for giving me your time to speak to me. It's been really insightful, and I'm sure everyone who's been watching this will take a lot away from it. As always, if you have been watching this and you have got any feedback for me, please do drop me a message. i um, love to hear it, and it really does mean a lot, and I can pass any feedback on to, to Gary as well. Gary, all the best for whatever comes next. I'm sure you will find something and fall on your feet fairly soon and you'll make a success out of it. But no matter what comes next, all the very best for it. And um, hopefully it won't be long before restrictions will lift that we can get back out on the grass working with players again. Nearly sick of all these Zoom calls at the minute, but just want to get back out on the grass. But, but yeah, Gary, thank you very much and all the best for the future. And to everyone watching, I will see you again next week for episode five. Yeah, and appreciate that. Thanks very much. And you're doing some great work, so keep it up as well, Colin. Well done.